arenas, my passport is tatted, it look like it's active. I play on these planes, y'all catch me in traffic. Yeah, your arenas, my passport is tatted, it look like it's active. I play on these planes, y'all catch me in traffic. Yeah. Like to welcome you all back to the Travel and Hustle podcast. This is episode number two. I'm excited because I got my boy Jake in the building. He spent some time over in the UAE, more specifically Abu Dhabi. Uh, as an expat, so I definitely want to get his story and wanted him to share it with you all. So let's listen up. Jake, please introduce yourself. To the world, I'm Jacob Harris, also known as International Illy, or you can call me the Fresh Prince of Abu Dhabi. Hello, world. How y'all doing? Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. So I actually be in a podcast today because uh, you spent some time, obviously, in the UAE on an expat assignment. So I wanted to teach or let people know kind of how that kind of came about. So if you want to just let us know how you got that started and how you decided on UAE and kind of hold that whole hot process. Yeah, you know, uh, I guess it, it all came about from just working in Atlanta. I would say around 2009, 2010, making uh, the overseas move for teaching started uh, becoming increasingly popular with a number of teachers down here. And I was working with a lady from Detroit. Uh, we had like a team teaching assignment and she started, you know, telling me about the Middle East and specifically Dubai. And uh, I was a, a younger guy at the time. And she was saying, you know, you, you don't have any family, uh, no wife, no kids. You know, this might be the perfect opportunity for you to go away, see the world and, you know, make a make a nice amount of money. And it, it took a few years for me to actually, you know, do my research and make the move. But man, once I did, it, it was golden. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Definitely, uh, it's always good to obviously see the world and to experience worry. Do you have any, I guess, fears going over there? Obviously, I'm assuming you didn't really know you anybody. You know, I, I think that's why it, it took me a, a few years to actually make the move. Because um, really, I'd only heard of Dubai knew really that it was the Middle East and that there were tall buildings and lots of money. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that was the extent of my knowledge. So it was, uh, it, it took a lot of research for myself and, and then actually talking to people who actually started to go over. So it wasn't until 2014 that I went, I found out about this in 2009. So each year I would know of more and more people who were going over there and, you know, had all these success stories. And I started to see all of these pictures from all of their travels. And I think that's what really, you know, made me go ahead and apply and try to get over there. Cause I mean, it seemed like every <laughs> week, you know, my friends were in different places, just, you know, taking pictures and they just seemed like they were having the time of their lives. So I had to, you know, kind of dig and, and, and find out how can I be a part of, you know, the fun, really. That's what's up. That's what's up. Definitely. Um, obviously, like I, said, I was fortunate to go over there. Definitely sounds like a lot of fun. What would you say was your, your biggest takeaway of the whole thing? I think I, I had this view. I wanted to see how people outside of the U.S. actually viewed the U.S. I don't know why, but that was like my one one of my underlying motives or something. I anytime I got to talk to people that weren't from the US, I wanted to, you know, know what they learned about the US growing up and like what were their own personal views. Because I feel like, you know, at home we're kind of fed this one sided view. 
you know, from media, from even in school, you only get, you know, this one view. So I wanted to know what the rest of the world actually viewed on the U.S. So everywhere I went, that's, you know, I was focused on what other people thought about, you know, the country or whatever. That makes sense. And obviously you was a teacher over there. So how was it interacting with the students? Did they have preconceived notions about you or was that really easy because you were obviously the teacher? You know what? Being a black male, the first thing, just from appearance alone, they actually thought I was probably from Sudan or, you know, somewhere in Africa. So it wasn't mm. until they started to talk to me and I, I, I guess maybe they picked up on some of the slang, maybe, you know, some things in hip hop culture. But after having a conversation with me, they quickly think, oh, New York City, oh, Los Angeles, you know? And, and, and those are really the only two places that they would think of when they think of U.S., New York City or Los Angeles, Hollywood. You, you smell the American, exactly. <laughs> That's what's up. So I guess outside of obviously work, obviously that's maybe the reason you got over there, but did you get a chance to travel a little bit, explore maybe other countries or oh, buy places? And I, that was pretty much my favorite thing to do. And I feel like I feel like I, I wish I started to do it earlier. When, you know, as soon as I got there, my uh, wife was definitely encouraging me to do so. But it kind of took a while. But man, once I started to you know take a weekend trip or take my vacation instead of you know just staying around or always going back to the states, man. When I did a trip to Europe, and it was for I think like seven to ten days, and Instead of just, you know, going to London and, and staying there and trying to, you know, get a, a, a chauffeur or my own uh, car, I actually found a tour club. I can't recall the name of, of that company right now, but I had uh, heard from a, a few different teachers. It was popular amongst the educators over in the UAE. And we went to about eight different countries in that week. Wow. So we started, I flew to uh, London. And then we took a bus from there and a ferry. And, and, and then from the ferry, we uh, went through Europe. We ended up going to the Netherlands. And I was able to uh, do Amsterdam for a couple of days. And then on that same trip, we went to Brussels and Bruges. And I mean, just to experience, one, I'm a foodie. So the food, which was amazing. And then <laughs> Paris for the first time with my wife. You know, the Love Lock Bridge, Eiffel Tower. I mean, all of those things packed up in seven days. That, I think, really, like, fed my hunger. And I was ready to, you know, go out and see the rest after that trip right there. That's, that's solid, man. That's solid. I guess, obviously, you had a good time and you had a lot of different experiences. Is it one particular trip that you like more than the others? Or is it something you felt like you, you want to do again? Um, I, I would love to probably visit uh, every country that I've traveled to again with my children uh, this time. Was able to take my daughter, however, to Egypt. And man, wow. that trip was just so special to me. I'm a science guy, but I also love history. So just our history and wanting to know, you know, what your average everyday Egyptian tour guide tells people I wanted to know because I had already learned so much 
and, and, and a lot of, I, w- I would say hidden knowledge. And if you would think of maybe New York City, you'll, you'll have a lot of street teachers. There was a lot of that uh, going on. So you would hear a lot of hidden knowledge or what they would claim to be, you know, knowledge that Black people weren't privy to in school, right? So I wanted to see mm-hmm. when I got to Egypt if any of those things that I was hearing about was actually true or, you know, or had some truth to it. And quite frankly, <laughs> there, there were no correlations. A lot of the things that I would bring up to <laughs> Egyptolo- Egyptologists or, you know, those who just do the tour guides, they had no idea what I was talking about. So it was it was very interesting to kind of take your knowledge of those street teachers, which I think they eventually became your YouTube scholars, and actually challenge some of those things with people who you know studied Egypt and ancient Egypt for quite some time. So I think being able to you know take a look at some of those <laughs> stories was cool, and then just knowing that this is Africa and I think another thing that was really cool about Egypt was, even though you know this is Africa, when we went, we drew uh, a lot of attention because we were Black. Wow. And it was surprising because you would think, you know, this is ancient Egypt. My ancestors built this. And right. when I was talking there, they were they were always speaking of two distinct groups. And any time that they talked about Black Egyptians, they would call them the Nubians. So I would really recommend anyone who, you know, can get a chance. That's one of those trips where I think just seeing the sand and standing on the ground and standing in front of the Sphinx, it's just amazing. I I would recommend everyone to try to do that. Man, that's dope. Definitely Egypt is on my bucket list. So I guess the question, you said that you had some, I guess, things you learned and then you went over there and you found those not to be true, which is a lot of times what we find out when we travel, right? We go someplace and people say, hey, this is this or that. And it's not like we read in history books or it's not like it's been described a lot of oh, times. Yeah. Would you say that was I guess, heartbreaking? And if so, what things did you, would you feel like you learned or you <clears throat> took away? Contrary to what you previously learned. Right. You know what? I wouldn't say that it's heartbreaking because with, with all things, you you can't ever just take things for face value. You don't want to just believe anything, you know, someone tells you. So you want to do your own research. And even with that, I had already researched, you know, some of the things that I learned or some of the history that I thought I learned that I didn't learn in school. Right. But mm-hmm. even though those tour guides and some of the Egyptologists didn't necessarily confirm those things they they couldn't refute it they only could say you know based on a theory you know or so everything that gotcha they have is only a theory anyway it's only what they think or believe to have happened so so it could have been possible they just hadn't heard about it yet hadn't heard about it or they just have no proof (laughs) either (laughs) yeah okay cool so Egypt, you did hit Egypt. Where where else did you go outside of the, the seven day trip? Any other islands uh, maybe went I, to? I, or I I went to uh, Sri Lanka, and when I was in Sri Lanka, okay. I did uh, Pinawala, the elephant orphanage. That was, you know what, the, and that was an interesting trip as well because my wife wanted to ride an elephant, 
and she heard that Sri Lanka was the place to do it. And uh, before that, I had heard of Sri Lanka a couple of times, but probably the most I remembered or the latest I heard of it was in a Nicki Minaj song. And, you know, I didn't really know what to expect from going there before I went. And I, I really found out that the uh, business of riding animals isn't all what it's cracked <laughs> up to be. The animals are not <laughs> actually in the best condition. And it's a... Uh, it's kind of cruel, to be quite honest. <laughs> Makes sense. I could respect right. that. So even though we rode an elephant that day, that's probably something that we'd never do again. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, you got to look, look, make it look good for right, them, right? right? And, and, oh, man, we got a lot of likes. But uh, those those poor elephants, man. <laughs> Speaking of, I guess, animals, I know UAE, they are used to, or at least from movie perspective, anyways, it looks like they always have a lot of exotic animals, kind of. One with the nature, is that a true thing? Did you get uh, into that while you were uh, over there? You know what? I have two quick stories on that. One, I never was in close proximity with an exotic animal myself. Come on, <laughs> I man. never was, but I had an offer. I had an offer. The only reason I didn't accept it is because it wasn't for any cubs. We were talking grown gotcha. animals, and I wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And, and 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 also, I had a friend. He was in Dubai, and um, he he was looking around aimlessly for whatever he was looking around for. And he was actually offered exotic animals. I, I think they were going to try to escort him to wherever the black market for exotic animals was. Uh, he was not in search what? of exotic animals or anything exotic, but that's what he was offered. Time and time again, as we were out in Dubai, kind of uh, just exploring. Is that because he was black or that uh, No, actually, he was kinda... Arab. And we were in a kind of a, right on the outskirts of uh, Dubai. I, I think this was, um, what was it called? Not Javali, Dara, in a place called Dara. So this is where you can immediately see the poverty line. It's like your gotcha. uh, huge buildings, amazing skyline, and then all of a sudden you see rundown buildings and chickens in the street. So, mm. you know, we're, we're in the area. We're just doing some shopping. Uh, I would kind of equate it to like a swap meet, if you will, or a flea market. So we're okay. in, in that okay. kind of area. And as we're doing our shopping, that's what we're uh, propositioned with. If you want any exotic animals, you know, let's go this way. We didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a fun time. Yeah. But they, they were offering. Cool, cool, cool. Tell us the most, I guess, what's a normal thing for people who that live in Dubai? What's a normal thing to do on the weekend or during the week or when you're after work? What's, what's normal uh, for people who've never been there? When you go or if you're living there, you will quickly find out that everything is at the mall. And when I say everything, I'm talking about, of course, food and shopping, but then your leisure. And it's not just like a movie theater. We're talking, you can go skiing at the mall, ice skating at the mall. You're, everyone loves trampoline parks these days. It's in the mall. So anytime you want to go out and have entertainment and have fun, more than likely, you're going to end up at the mall. 
Interesting. So the mall is the place it's to be. The place to be. So I guess you live in Atlanta. So comparing it to Atlanta, is it? Is, would you compare their mall to like Linux, or is it much bigger, or is it about the same size? Or let's say this: <laughs> Mall of America. Like, what, I guess what's the what's the scope? It's in terms of high fashion. If you can say every mall is Linux mall, but the malls there, one of the malls, the Dubai Mall, the largest mall in the world. And when I say that, I believe, maybe don't quote me on this now, but I believe it's square footage when they say the largest mall. But I mean, it literally, the first time I went, it took me five hours. And I mean, there's an aquarium in the mall, a full size aquarium. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. There was a rug in the mall, downstairs in the mall, and it was 24 karat gold on the rug somehow on the rug and it was easily over 10,000 dirham I mean these are just normal things that you see in the mall and there were multiple rugs for sale this is just at a little shop downstairs in the Dubai mall life of luxury everything luxury at its finest you will find in Dubai for sure okay you mentioned Durham, which is obviously their currency there. How long did it take you to adjust to the conversion rate um, as far as learning, hey, I'm buying some milk from the store and it's this is about the right price or this is too high? And did you have any issues with obviously not being from there uh, with people maybe trying to get over, go getting over you as far as buying normal everyday You items? know what? I would say the, the people that were actually there were uh, very honest. So there was never a problem with really thinking about you're being cheated or or anything like that. And maybe I would attribute that to, you know, the devout religion. But outside of that, I used, I downloaded a currency converter and I stuck to it the entire time that I was there. So there was never really a problem. It was always, you know, pretty close to the exact exchange rate any time that I did anything. It was probably a few cents off from being exact. So it was pretty good. I was always able to know what I needed. I would go into the store and I'm thinking, you know, don't convert the price of what you're buying to US dollar in your head because you're probably not going to buy anything because there's a luxury (laughs) tax, you know. Oh. Like a bag of spinach was like nine bucks. That's yeah. So it's best to keep the Durham price in your head so that you wouldn't, you know, put everything back because I would never spend this in the States. Gotcha. And I assume the luxury taxes because things are important. Right, right. And so there was no actual sales tax. So I would just assume as well it's just a tax on the import itself. Okay. That's not that's not too bad. So if I was Thinking about, you know, doing expat for a year or two years, what are some things that you would tell me to definitely consider before making that move or even kind of starting that process? Well, for teachers, I believe if you're uh, interested in being an expat, first, I would look up two, one of two recruiting companies that I know of. One is called Footprints and the other is TeachAway. I, uh, myself, I use TeachAway. And they they were pretty good. I went and took an interview in New York City and maybe a week later found out I got the job, took a couple months to actually go over. But my experience with them was really good. One thing that I do remember is 
around the time I was leaving, they were uh, thinking about changing the contract time. So I, I do believe that if you are considering going over to the Middle East, the contract time is no longer two years, but a uh, minimum contract is three years. Okay. That's not, that's not too bad. Extra year, more exactly, vacations, right? Exactly. And I guess along that lines, how would you, I guess, describe your transition back home? Is Was that was it kind of sad experience having to come back home? Were you ready to come back home? You know, I was definitely ready. Uh, I'd had my daughter while I was overseas. That was amazing. But we were very far from home. And I wanted to to be able to, you know, get in the car or hop on a plane and be able to go see my parents or her grandmother w- within a few hours, as opposed to 15 to 16 hours, you know, before I could actually see them. So that was a major thing in wanting to come back to the States. But it wasn't uh, an easy transition. I, of course, had to find a home and furniture and new jobs and a car and and things of that nature. But I had grown accustomed to having a maid, having my gas uh, uh, pumped for me, (laughs) getting delivery. I I know you have, you know, Uber Eats now, but it was just a different level. I could almost get any type of meal that I wanted delivered to my home uh, any day. My groceries were being delivered. So I felt really pampered. I had a great maid, <laughs> a nanny, you know. So, <laughs> so coming back, I, I really living oh, your man, best life. It was, huh? it was a huge transition to having to do things for myself. <laughs> and, uh, but over time, I'm I'm just now finally feel, feeling normal again. <laughs> Understood. Well, we on train. So we're winding down the podcast, going to transition into our final segment, better known as Global Entry. So the first question is, of course, obviously you flew to Dubai, so this is probably a really good question for you. What would be your travel playlist, your, your typical travel playlist? What songs or artists would can we find on your playlist? Oh, man. You're always going to find Jay-Z. And I'm, I'm an album guy. So when I'm on that uh, 14-hour flight, I'm, I'm going to play the Black Album. I'm going to play Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Okay. I love Monica. So you, you can throw in her, I would probably say her latest album, Cold Red. I, I played that a few times on my, on my flights as well. And then I played myself, International Ellie. Okay, okay, okay. That's what's up. So, of course, obviously the Dubai flights, if you find Emirates, of course, they give you little high-end snacks. But if you're on a traditional domestic airline, they're going to um, come up to you. They're going to ask you, you want cookies, pretzels, or peanuts? What, what you selecting? Cookies every time. Every, every time. time. Hopefully okay. it's a Delta flight and I can get the lotus butter cookies. Lotus butter cookies. Okay. That's what's up. Next question, of course, is what's one thing that you bring back from every trip? So, you obviously travel really extensively while you was overseas and even now. So, what's one thing you bring back you from know, every trip? When I was overseas, I started to notice a few of my friends and they were like collecting maybe a map that you shade in and things like that, just trying to highlight places that they've been. So what I started to do was just make sure I get some type of refrigerator magnet that, you know, either any city that I went to or definitely any country that I went to, I try to get one or two refrigerator magnets. And on the side of my fridge, every country that I've been to is represented. 
you know, with a magnet. That's dope. That's dope. Definitely don't have to get a picture of that for oh, the archives. Real. I got you. So thinking on your past experiences, if you had a personal jet, you could fly out on a whim to, to get a meal or a drink. Uh, where would it be from and what would wow. you get? I would have to say I need to go back to Brussels. And I can't remember the dish, but... When I was in Brussels, I probably had the best meal, and it was a pasta. I probably had the best meal of my life, to be quite honest. And whatever my wife had, I had some of that too. And it was at, I just told her the other day that I need to take my family back there just so we can eat. I mean, you said you were a foodie, so I'll have oh, to take man, your word for it. Was it was amazing. If you can find out the, the, the specifics place, let us know. We'll definitely try to add that oh, to the show notes. I got you. I, I can do that. I can dig. So, next question. What does the word hustle mean to you? Hustle. When I hear hustle, I think of hard work. I think of grinding. I think of envisioning a goal and not stopping until you get there. Okay. 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 We'll continue to grind it out. That's definitely, definitely important. We want to empower people to, to do the things. That, that are important and to, to grind them out. So I, I like that answer. Definitely. I like that answer. And the last thing, of course, is how can the people connect with you? Where can we find you? Where can we see these awesome pictures from all the Oh, places man. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, I'm International Illy on Instagram. Twitter at Illy Ali. Facebook, International Illy. And uh, I'm, I'm easy to find. Type it in. If you want to download my sound, Spotify, the dignitaries. And uh, man, Take a look at the pictures. I've, I've been a lot of places. I have a, you know, a beautiful family. Check us out. That's awesome, man. We appreciate you. We'll definitely make sure, again, we'll add your handles into the show notes. Um, is there anything else you want to tell the people? Obviously, you're in the music as well. You kind of you alluded to that in a couple of things. So anything you want to tell us? Any new projects you're working on? Anything like uh, that? Well, right now, as soon as I came back from overseas, I uh, working working with a partner of mine, we rebranded. And we started a new uh, record label called Native Alien. And uh, even that can kind of tie in with my travels. Native Alien, I feel like even the U.S., which is maybe, (laughs) I don't know how you want to think about it, (laughs) but maybe (laughs) it's not my home, but I've made it my home. Okay. I've also been told that I'm the indigenous man and that I'm a native here. So I say Native Alien. (laughs) That's yes, tough. sir. Uh, take from it as what you will, but that's the label. And I'm a part of a group. We are the Dignitaries, Anthem on the Track, and myself, International Illy. We'd love for you to check us out, download our sound. And, uh, man, let me know what you think. Follow me at Illy Ali on Twitter. All right. Appreciate that. We'll definitely actually add that to the show. For notes. sure. For sure. Um, that pretty much man, wraps up. I just want to give a shout out to two. you before we go. Shout out to my man, Mr. TLS, you know. Appreciate that. Definitely, like I said, we want to put the platform out so people can connect, learn how they can travel a little more. Maybe they, again, want to take an expert assignment. I think that's an awesome way to explore the world. Sounds like you had a lot of great experiences. So definitely want to push the envelope. Obviously, every platform that we have, be it Instagram or, or regular social media, it allows people to see that it is an opportunity to travel. It is an opportunity to get out there. So that's what I want to do with this platform. Man. Keep keep it going. I, I think it's a great idea. I love it. Appreciate you, sir. Uh, I will be in touch. All right, that's it. Peace, world. Your arena's my passport is tattered. It look like it's active. I play on these planes. Y'all catch me in traffic.